everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. Today we are talking about Tower of Madness. <laughs> it's mad, I tell you. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, this is a game published by Smirk and Dagger Games. It is designed by Kurt Covert. Kurt Covert? I thought you were going to say Could Kurt be, Cobain. I was going to say Kurt Covert. I was like, maybe it's oh. Covert. But oh, it, it could be. it's spelled like Covert. <laughs> designed by Kurt Cobain. But, I, you know, like just so many of the games that we've been talking about lately have been designed by French designers. So I was just going That's with true. a French pronunciation. Art by E.J. Delacruz, Gunship Revolution, Jen Santos, and Brian Valiza. Valiza? Perhaps. Gunship Revolution? Is that somebody's Gunship name? Revolution did some art here. Uh, that's an interesting birth name. Could you imagine having a child and naming it Gunship? There are some, you know, takes all kinds. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I'm not ju- judging at all. Well, yeah, I kind of am, but. You always are, right? A little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh-huh. In my heart all hearts, right. Yeah. Uh, this is a game that plays between three and five players. It has a playing time listed as 30 to 45 minutes, which I think is pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, when we played this game, it played pretty quick. I feel like we would like bang out a game in about 30 minutes and then you and Phil would be like, let's play again. And I would be like, okay. And then we would play again. <laughs> Phil was really into this game. He, he really was liked really it. into this game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's more of a casual game. This is a little bit lighter weight than yeah. a lot of the games we talk about on this podcast. Uh, a lot of the games people talk about in the game, the board game space. So uh, yeah, I mean, I played it with my parents a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I think, Last episode, I half-jokingly said it's Kerplunk at the end of the episode, <laughs> and that's fair, because there is... Man, that's fair. It's not like it's, you're walking it back. You're like, and that's fair. It's and fair. And I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> there are Kerplunk elements in the game, and yeah, also, it's, kind of, I, it's, just, it's just kind of that sort of a weight of a game, right? I mean, like, it's sort of like you're little. adding... It, it involves uh, dice rolling with sort of like a press-your-luck element that then leads to Kerplunk. Yeah, I kind of describe it as Kerplunk crossed with Yahtzee. Yep. Yeah. There you go. That is the limited playtime <laughs> assessment of Tower of Madness. I think maybe we should uh, reiterate here. I mentioned in the last podcast that this is a Cthulhu-themed game. Usually when you see the word madness in a game title, it means Cthulhu, and that is definitely mm. the case here. Yeah. Um, the game itself is, I, I think, it's pretty cool looking. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, got a, uh, it's got good table presence. Yeah, it really does. There's a big clock tower uh, that sits on like a plastic base, um, and the uh, the sticks that hold the marbles inside inside the tower um, are uh, green tentacles. They're mm-hmm. plastic green tentacles that stick mm-hmm. out, uh, and so they're sticking out from all sides and corners of this big huge tower. Just like all these green tentacles waving everywhere. Uh, it's really kind of kind of nifty to look at. We we played this game quite a few times actually over uh, like two nights. And I, I'm like having a really difficult time remembering what the rest of the game looks like because all this game just became <laughs> the tower, like in in my yeah. memory, you know. I mean, there's not a whole lot more to it. There's uh, individual player boards that all look the same. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's the dice. There's a deck of spell cards, um, which are sort of nondescript. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the uh, the special ability tokens the location cards, and then the marbles themselves. Right. Yeah, there's like several different colored marbles. Each one of them has a different meaning when it pops out of the tower. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, so the way the game plays is um, essentially like uh, there's a stack of location cards. 
uh, and every round you flip over a new one. Um, and on it is a big number that tells you how many uh, victory points at the end of the game that that location is worth if you successfully investigate it. Um, so in order to investigate it, you roll a set of five dice and essentially what you have to come up with to have a successful investigation is you have to roll a brain, a heart and a gate, and then you have to roll two dice to try and get as high a numerical value as you can. Um, and those are called your discovery dice. Um, so once you manage that, if you manage to get those three symbols and then, you know, whatever discovery dice you have, you have a successful investigation um, and say, you know, you rolled a, a 10 for your discovery dice. Then the next person has to try and equal or beat the 10 on the discovery dice uh, in order to beat you and then become the new lead investigator. Yeah. Uh, if you should fail to uh, roll the the three symbols that you need in order to have successful investigation, you have a failed investigation, and you have to pull one of the tentacles out of the tower. Yeah, and that can um, lead to like marbles that do bad things to you, like drive you insane. Or... Yeah, but they're not always bad. They're about half and half, really. Um, it really felt like more bad than good to me. Well, I mean, that's I mean, based on the marbles that you put mm -hmm. into it, they are half good and half bad. Okay, <laughs> like just numerically. Yeah, but leading um, up to that, you're playing like that push your luck game with the dice, where you're trying to decide whether or not yeah. you're going to save a die that you know would be worth a, a pretty good value when you're adding up your number versus the other player's number, assuming that you get the dice that you need in order to even pass the test at all. Right. Uh, or you know to re-roll it and have a greater odd at just passing the test in general. Right. Like yeah. that's kind of the the strategy or the the judgment you're making on each die roll and you get what is it three die rolls or no it's like you can you can you save have a to die lock each in roll. yeah you yeah. have to lock in a die one at least one die for every yeah. roll so it'd be like what up to five die rolls on your turn basically potentially yeah yeah lower or fewer right yeah um, and it's entirely possible to go through an entire round where nobody has a successful investigation, in which mm -hmm. case nobody gets that location and it just goes away. Yep. The other part of this is the the marbles. So, like we said, like the you pull a tentacle and sometimes marbles come out of the tower and they're half good and half bad. Basically, you want to uh, investigate all the locations in the deck before three green marbles fall out of the tower. If three green marbles fall out of the tower before the location deck is out. Everybody loses the game. Cthulhu doom is, doom is upon us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than the green marbles, um, there's red ones. If you get four red marbles, um, you become insane. Um, at which point, the only thing you can do on your turn is pull a tentacle from the tower. Which kind of uh, makes the game more fun, actually, yeah, I found. Yeah. Like, when I went insane real early in one game, I think that was my favorite game. Because it kind of feels like a game where everybody's on pins and needles about Cthulhu coming and eating everybody. And if you're rooting for that, which you are when you're insane, the game becomes a lot more fun, I thought. <laughs> and, and just pulling the pulling the, the sticks out and letting the marbles fall is probably the funnest part of the game. I think that that, that yeah, I'd say so as well was more fun than the, the die rolling game, which was yeah. just kind of like, okay, did, did I get lucky or not? And Anytime I did that, I was just kind of like, okay, well, uh, you know, I either do this or that. You know, either I'm going to pull a tentacle or I'm going to, like, say, yay, I might get this card and move yeah. on and everything. But to me, the real fun of this game was in pulling those tentacles. Yeah, and it's worth noting that if you're insane, um, you can still win the game. It's just that right. your victory is not based on the amount of victory points you have at the end. If you're insane, you win by being the one to pull the tentacle out that makes the third green marble drop and end the game. Yeah. So if you bring about the doom <laughs> and you're insane, you are the winner. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, it just sort of pr proceeds as normal. Um, 
you know, except that on your turn, you would pull a tentacle instead of rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then you do that until you get to the end of the location deck or the third green marble comes out. Oh yeah. So, the, and then the colored marbles, um, there are also blue colored marbles that every time one drops out, it's called the discovery marble. Um, and you get three points for each discovery marble you have at the end of the game. And then the white marbles give you another spell card and the spell cards basically are just sort of, uh, ways that you can manipulate the dice, um, you know, it's like, like change the value or roll them again or, or there, there take, was a card or take that, a marble from somebody else or whatever. There was a card that we would like rotate when we were sane versus insane. Uh, yeah, that's those are the spell cards. Yeah, so I was going to say, even when you are insane, we said that you can only pull tentacles, but you can also cast spells. Uh, yeah, that's true. Although that's not technically an action. You can just kind of do it. Yeah, but it's something you can still do. So, I mean, like this, the spell cards allow you to, you know, like break certain rules or affect other players, yeah. things like that. And so yeah. it... it you know that that adds another layer of you know strategy i guess to mm-hmm. the game when you're playing as both sane and insane players that you are choosing when to utilize those spells that you've gotten um i don't know all in all the the game is very random in nature and you yeah. should know that going into a game like this that it's a very random random game uh, and so if that's the sort of thing that turns you off, if you're not into casual random games, then you're probably not going to enjoy this game. You might find it frustrating because of the randomness. Uh, but if it's the sort of thing that you can just kind of kick back and, you know, uh, play with your kids or drink some beers and play with some buds late at night, then this is one of those games that would be a decent casual time. Yeah, I mean, for us, I, it was the the game that we pulled out at the end of the night yeah. that, you know, what we could play quickly and we didn't have to really think about a whole lot. Exactly. It was really good when we were completely burned out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like we'd already played, you know, 14 hours of heavier games all day long. And now it's just like, okay, well, it's only 12 o'clock and we're not really planning on going to bed until one or so. So how about we just play something light? And this was the game that fit the bill. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. The game itself is kind of, I feel like it's pricey for what it is. I was going to um, say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's about $60. Yeah, MSRP is $60. I think yeah. it's going for like 43 or something like that on Amazon right now. Yeah. I feel like that's um, still a little high. Yeah, it is. Uh, especially because like most of the pieces are not... Pla- well, I guess the majority of the pieces are plastic, but the tower itself is cardboard. Yeah. Um, so, like, maybe if it came with, like, a fully plastic tower. Oh, this is the other thing that, like, uh, after repeated plays, like, the tower itself doesn't stay together very well. Um, mm-hmm. The open, the side that opens um, so you can fold it and put it in the box is magnetized. So they, you know, they do stick together. But as soon as you put any pressure on it uh, with all the marbles inside, um, it's really, really easy to bust the tower open and have all the marbles spill out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which can be really, really annoying. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's another thing that I think don't doesn't really warrant the price point. Um, it it kind of screams thirty five dollars to me. You know, like it, it, <laughs> thirty thirty five dollars. Like when I look at this game, it's like like a few sort of like thin cards with like you know decent artwork, but not necessarily like it doesn't scream like you know component quality or anything like that when you're looking at it. Other than the the way the tower looks when it's fitted really well and is sticking together really well and has all the tentacles sticking out of it but even then you've seen kerplunk before and you look at this and you're like oh a themed kerplunk and so it just (laughs) feels like a 30 dollar game 
Is this where I confess that I've actually never played Kerplunk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I have or not, but I've seen it plenty of times. I know that. Yeah, I mean, I know I know I the I marble. You pull a stick and the marbles right. fall out. That's yeah. about all I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what's happening here, and it's what you see when you look at this game. And so it's kind of difficult for my brain to... Um, you know, accept the fact that this game is supposed to be $60 or that if I'm getting it at a discount, I'm getting it for 42 or $43 uh, because it looks like a $30 game that already exists, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, but this is kind of the risk that you run with a lot of, like, you know, smaller designer, quote-unquote, game publishing yeah. companies yeah that's true i mean you always play we, we know that we're paying premium on a lot of things here like if if most games that we're paying for were mass market then we wouldn't be paying like 80 dollars for western legends right we'd be paying 40 dollars for western legends but as it is like they have to do smaller print runs and you know it's a lot harder for them to distribute and there's a lot more overhead there that you know isn't getting supported by a massive company like Milton Bradley or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, you're paying a premium anytime you play. It's just that this game looks so much like a, another mass market game that it becomes extra difficult to accept. <laughs> I'm not I mean, saying that. It, the... I'm just saying it's like it's like an irrational part of my brain that says, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. I get it. Um, yeah. I. And even when I bought it, I was like, oh, that sounds a little expensive. But, like, it looked mm-hmm. really cool, and it looked like a fun thing to play. Like, Yeah, you know, it like is. We, like we said, it like, it, you know, when you're drunk at 1230. Right, yeah. But, um, you know, again, like, there's plenty of other lighter games that are casual experiences that you could play in a sim- similar situation that do not cost $60. Yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like they could have done more with it. I mean, it's, uh, for what it is, it's a, it's a fine game. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, as we said, it's nothing deep. It's fun to right. play in, yep. in half an hour. But, um, but I, I feel like if they had done more with it in terms of, you know, maybe giving every player some uh, differentiation. So there, there are character cards, but they don't give you any, anything except a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no like character abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play with a variation that has character abilities, but even if you if you look at the character abilities, they don't do a whole lot to change the gameplay. So it's I feel like they could have added something a little bit more, uh, more thematic or more in depth to to lend some kind of strategic uh, element to it. I guess I... <clears throat> it it screams casual game to me. So. I feel like I'm not looking for much more out of a game like this. I'm just looking for it to be cheaper. <laughs> the, the true, the true stick, you know, sticking point here. I, I mean, just, it needs that's to be it. Cheaper. I mean, like, yeah, if this was a thirty bought to thirty dollar game, and my kid was, you know, like five or six years older, I would buy this game for thirty bucks, and I would say, "Hey, Milo, we're gonna play this crazy Tower of Madness. Look, there's snakes coming out of this tower," and he'd be like, "Ha ha ha!" And then we'd play, and we'd have a great time, and it'd be thirty bucks, and I'd be like, "I feel okay about that." But if I bought this <laughs> at forty three dollars, I would still feel like eh, that's probably just a little too much, and I don't really need this game to be anything more than that. If I were going to buy this game and it were more complicated, it wouldn't really meet any of my needs. It wouldn't be simple mm-hmm. enough to play with my child, and it would be like not strategic enough for me to enjoy it in the way that I enjoy heavier or more strategic games mm-hmm. more strategic games yeah. uh so it doesn't it's in this weird it would be in this weird middle ground where I don't have a, a use for it in that case so really all I need is for it to be what it is and cheaper 
<laughs> that's just yeah, my personal. No, yeah. That's just my personal feeling on it. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, although, to, I mean, to be fair, like for the price that I paid for it, like I've played it a lot and I haven't owned it like that long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like I definitely got my money's worth, like well, in terms good. of in terms of playing the game. Yeah. Um, and it's just because it is one of those things that you can just sort of pull out and explain to everybody in like in like you know five minutes sure yeah you could literally teach this to anybody yeah and like i said i played with my parents my parents are like pushing 70 mm-hmm. um and they loved it <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. you know so yeah. win yeah. win for that again you're just paying a premium on it that's 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 what it is i'm just saying like i i i we're picky and choosy about the things that we choose to pay our premiums on when it comes mm-hmm. to games mm-hmm. and this is just one of those things that's like a little too far removed from anything that i am looking for at that price point so yeah. that's just you know, that's just how I feel about it. That it's it's not the the type of strategic board game that I would normally spend, you know, over forty dollars on. And it's not simple enough uh, or cheap enough for me to play with my toddler. So I'm not going to buy it now. But you know, yeah. if it was cheaper four or five years from now when I could play with my son, who is a boy at that point, then then maybe like <laughs> be a good it'd be a good alternative to Kerplunk. When, the way you said that, it was like my son, who is a boy at that point. Well, like, I mean, because he's not a toddler like, anymore. He will be a boy. We wouldn't call oh, him a toddler. I, I, He'll be a boy. I, I, in terms of talking about gender, I was like, is he planning? Are you, no, I, I mean. Are you he, like waiting? I'm to trying see to describe he... age, not not gender. I, but just the way you phrased it, it sounded like at that point, he will be a boy. Yes, we're, yeah. we're still deciding on gender. Uh <laughs> We're waiting until he's gone through kindergarten so that he, you know, like has all the, the, the knowledge of boys versus girls and all that. No, not really. He's a boy. And we're going to eventually be a eight-year-old boy instead of a three-year-old boy. And that's when right, I think yes. we'd be playing this. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, something to look forward to. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, in some ways, I feel like this game reminds me of a lot of um, uh, a lot of games that targeted kids in that range like from like the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a. I mean, like Kerplunk, I guess, but, it, but uh-huh. even some some more like probably esoteric ones. Um, like what? Did you ever play that game? Don't break the ice. I remember seeing the commercials, but no, I never played it. Yeah, my sister and I played it all the time. Um, but I mean, yeah, no, that's it, there was a lot yeah. of games like that. Don't wake daddy, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. wake or the dragon. An- don't wake a lot of things. Or, yeah, it it sort of reminds me a lot of those those yeah. kinds of games. Silly, yeah. lots of plastic dexterity yeah. games. Uh, yeah. Where just like you know, like a crazy thing happens and everybody giggles at the table. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was some game where like you have like a water balloon in your head or something like that, and yeah, yeah, yeah all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, in the way that it looks and the way that it plays, I like. I feel like it reminds me a lot about those things, but it doesn't have the excitement of something like Hungry Hungry Hippos. We're <laughs> we gonna do like a comparative podcast at some point where we just <laughs> what stacks up to the king of children's dexterity games? Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> I mean, come on. That was an amazing game. It was an amazing toy. I don't know that it was actually well, yeah. an amazing game. <laughs> I mean, you're competing to get... Uh, there's a competition element to it. Yeah, but I mean, really, you're just, you're just there to pound on a hippo. Yeah, no. And that's amazing. Like, <laughs> it was one of the most satisfying thing. I mean, we could go on all day about all the satisfying toy games that existed in the 80s and the 90s that we've played, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, it, if we're going to describe it, it, this as, like, a toy game, like, it, uh-huh. it fits somewhere in that scale. And it's below Hungry Hungry Hippos, but I think, like, <laughs> probably above, like, things like Don't Break the Ice or... 
Or okay, it, it's or this this game uh, on the on the new board game scale that we're using. The new rating scale is one half hungry, hungry hippo, but we're going to add a little bit of a remainder of don't break the ice, uh, <laughs> but definitely not any part of Loop and Louie. <laughs> oh, I've never played Loop and Louie, <laughs> although I we did should, buy it for a friend of mine. We should probably get it and try it out. That should probably yeah. be on this podcast at some point. Yeah, uh, we should totally do like a children's. More like a young young person's. Game. I I'm already so I've got a library already built. So I know I'm you do. Good to go. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything else to say about this game. Do you? No, not really. I mean, it's okay. a pretty simple game. Yeah, take a look um, at it on the internet if it sounds interesting to you. I would say take a look at some pictures. Uh, I think that you will probably make a purchase based on the information we've given you plus those pictures. Because if it looks like a cool enough toy to you, yeah, and you've got forty two bucks in your your wallet burning a hole in your pocket then go ahead you know like but otherwise i'd say maybe wait for this thing to go down a little bit more in price uh and i think that you should know whether or not you have a situation that would be good for this type of game right like either Mm -hmm. like kids that want to play it or you happen to have a group that likes to play a little bit more casual games from time to time maybe like when you're in between some heavier games or like you know at the end of the night like we were talking about um, those sorts of situations, it would be fitting for those sorts of things. So yeah, and plus, I feel like personally, like if I ever get tired of actually playing the game, like I could just set it up and put it on a shelf. Yeah, or you look, could yeah, sell like, it, tchotchke like yeah, or that. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, occasionally I could look up at the shelf above my desk and see a huge clock tower full of tentacles. And then whenever cool. you do it, you could have a little rule with yourself where you have to pull a tentacle out, and eventually <laughs> those marbles are going to fall out and just shoot right into your face. <laughs> and then you're gonna have marbles for eyes <laughs> marble eyes mm-hmm. great all right <laughs> just what i jason <laughs> has anybody emailed us do we have any emails to read um actually we have one email because <laughs> we have time to read an email we do um should i say who it's from i don't know did they say not to no <laughs> why don't we just give their first name okay okay so uh we have a question from dave Um, oh dave (laughs) he sent it to us over email and he says okay i just ran for about 30 minutes and used lpt to help me time it i listened to the episode about scythe Uh, i heard it took place in europa instead of thinking europe i thought of one of jupiter's now at least 79 moons europa (laughs) could this take place on another planetoid that could be why it is so important to farm (laughs) I will say yes. I think that it could take uh, place on another planetoid. It just happens to resemble some weird <laughs> amalgamation of World War One, World War Two era Earth yeah. in Europe. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the theme is cool, but it's completely irrelevant to the way the game plays. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could imagine it happening just about anywhere. It's sort of like how um, what's the world in He Man? Uh, Eternia. Eternia, right? Like that yeah. looks like a weird medieval fantasy Earth, but it's definitely not Earth. So if you want to think about it that way, you go ahead and you enjoy Scythe on the planet Europa rather than one of the 79 moons of Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, rather than the the fictional Earth location Europa. Yeah, sure. Why not? Thanks for writing in, Dave. Thanks, Dave. If people would like to write in and ask questions uh, on this podcast, how would they do that, Jason? Well, they could reach us through our email, which is lptthepodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. Uh, they can tweet us at Limited Playtime, or uh, they can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com, which will reroute you to theamazer.com, which is where we are currently hosted. Mm-hmm. 
And next week, we are going to be talking about Laser Rider. Pew, 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 pew. I'm going to, I don't know if they would let me use the theme music that they had written for that game, but that would go really well right there. Yeah, it really would. Mm-hmm. We're going we from one casual game to another casual-ish game, I guess, but this one yeah. I feel like I actually have more excitement for. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into that next time. Yeah, yeah, we will. I can't wait to talk about Laser Riders because it was just such a surprise. I know, same. Yeah, so next week, Laser Riders, which is a game by, uh, it's it's that fabled Nexus imprint of Greater Than, greater than Games, uh, again, I think we've talked, that'll be like our third game I think we've talked about from them. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what the other ones were, but I remember uh, you mentioned It was them. Evil, no, not Evil High Priest, uh, no. it was like the good version of Evil High Priest. Oh, um, uh, uh, <laughs> if, uh something Elder... Elder Gods. Fate of the Elder Gods. Yes, thank you. Fate of the Elder Gods. There we Fate go. Fate of the Elder Gods and Spirit Island, both by Fabled Nexus Games from Greater <laughs> Than Games. So that's, yep. All right. All go right. Brains. <laughs> I said we're doing remarkably well for a Friday night. <laughs> I decided to go with coffee today instead of alcohol for the uh, recording session. So I should be doing better than last time. <laughs> All Please right, everybody, we will see you in one week with Laser Riders. Pew, pew. Yeah, get on your 1980s Venetian blind shades <laughs> and your yeah, hypercolor yeah. shirt. Get that yeah. out. Get ready like, for the Laser Riders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Saturday morning cartoon game. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Later. Later.